lights. It's seven Friday night. Welcome to this week's episode of Seven Friday Night. I'm Sports Stars Magazine editor Chase Bryson, and I'm joined as always by my co-host and frequent venting outlet on all things 49ers. It's Ben Enos. Ben, how are you? Surely we're not going to make the good people of podcast land listen to us rant about the 49ers, are we? No, hopefully not. All right. We'll, we'll see you next good. week. See how, see how the Rams game goes. The, the answer to your question is I am well. There's lots of football in the air. The playoffs are here. Rejoice. Christmas lights are beginning to go up. You know, there are, these are all good things. And before we jump into everything playoff related, we should probably uh, do a little recap of where we were last week. And so I had the good fortune to attend the Diablo Athletic League Valley Division Championship game between Northgate and College Park. And first, because everybody knows that this is what I like to do. Let me jump on my soapbox for a moment. You and I have been doing this a long time. Memo to all Northern California media. Y'all missed the boat. That was a championship game. Championship football was played in Pleasant Hill on Friday night, and we were the only media outlet present. I get that there are big names. I get that there are big games across Northern California. It is crazy to me that nobody thought they wanted to cover a championship game. Okay, off my soapbox. Now, the score didn't end up as close as the game was, but I got to say, I thought it was a really good game. College Park wouldn't let Northgate get away for three quarters. They kept fighting back, and I thought the Broncos, especially quarterback John Pelletier and his five-touchdown night, made the big plays when they needed to. All credit to the Broncos and credit to College Park for what is clearly a program on the rise. Oh, and before I forget, here's the name to know. Gavin O'Leary. He can do pretty much everything you'd ever want from a skilled guy. So watch out for him next season at College Park. So that's where I was Friday night, championship football. I really enjoyed the atmosphere. Credit to College Park and Northgate. You checked out another Diablo Athletic League game, Benicia and Las Lomas. What did you learn from high atop the Carquina Strait? <laughs> well, before I get into the actual game, let me just rave a minute about Benicia High as a venue for football. Yes. It's awesome. Yes. The facility is really nice, built into a hillside. There's plenty of seating, plenty of parking. It's easy to get to, all that. Plus, they put on a show. Uh, the Benicia Cheer Squad has its own walk-in music, which was awesome. And the band could cook. I was particularly stoked, as you know from my text, to hear them play a New Orleans artist who's one of our favorites, Trombone Shorty. They played Buck Jump. It was awesome. I, I tried getting audio, but I was walking on the opposite sideline and it wasn't quite strong enough to play on here. But rest assured, Benicia, I will be back now for the game. It was a good first place battle. I mean, it was, a it was, it was essentially a championship too. They were basically playing for the automatic berth and the higher seed. Had uh, Los Lomas won and Campolinda won, there was going to be a three-way tie. So they had to draw straws and Los Lomas got the top straw. So whoever won that game was going to get the automatic berth. Um, and it was a good game. I, I, Los Lomas just simply made a few more plays than the Panthers. 
namely on defense where they got four interceptions. And Michael Wood had a really nice night at quarterback, I thought, throwing for close to 300 yards and two touchdowns. And Benicia's playmakers also lived up to their hype. Uh, you came on here, talked a lot about Miles Bailey and Janari Boone. They were both great, I thought. They both played really well. As, there's a real chance that those two teams are going to meet again next week as the two and three seeds in the NCS Division Three bracket. I think that one may end up even closer than the one that I saw, which was a two-touchdown win for the Knights. So, uh, yeah, I don't know if I'll be at that rematch, but it, it would be one to see. I think it's going to be very tightly contested once again. Um, you know, we spent all last week talking about the big game in the CCS, and that happened. Uh, didn't quite go as we thought, maybe. Um uh, definitely, I mean, certainly not with our picks. I know that much. But um, what did you think about what St. Francis was able to do at San Mateo on Saturday? Yeah, I'm. Uh, first of all, I'll take a minute to puff my chest out. I don't get a lot of things right. So when I said a couple weeks ago that the Diablo Athletic League uh, Foothill Division was going to be madness, yes. I'm glad that it was madness. It because, was madness. Because it's a really good division of football. Um yeah, the game of the week. I, I will admit my clicker was getting a workout between this one and the Breeders' Cup on Saturday afternoon. Um, but we're going to leave. Actually, I made a little money, so I feel pretty good about that. Um, but on the football side, what I saw from St. Francis was exactly what I saw in their game against De La Salle. And it's exactly what Sarah coach Patrick Walsh told us we would see. St. Francis was physical. They remembered the last time they played Sarah and they got beat by six touchdowns. And the Lancers, quite simply, were on a mission to make a statement. You know, credit to uh, the hierarchy here, the one-man hierarchy at Sports Stars Magazine, for having St. Francis up top. And the reason that we talked about this earlier in the year, the reason that they deserved that spot was because they had knocked off the top dog and that we were going to get to see it play out on the field. We did. They deserved it. Now, even more rant from me. You know it. You love it. I think I saw somewhere on Twitter that St. Francis running back Viliami Teu doesn't have any D1 offers. You remember a couple of weeks ago when I went on and on about guys who were football players and who deserved to be uh, Division One football players? Add him to the list. What the hell are college coaches doing these days? <laughs> There's like 600 dudes per team in the FBS. You're telling me that a guy that goes for 344 against Sarah doesn't belong at the next level? Come on. Anyway. This, that reminds me of a, of, a, of a back that was considered undersized during his time that we covered a lot, who ended up as an NFL running back for the Atlanta Falcons. His name went by Teron Ward. 100%. He got zero offers, too. 100%. No, it, it's, you, this guy is just running up and down the field against a Sarah team that is unquestionably among the state's elite. And like, come on, come on, guys. Get this guy on a, a college campus. Um, you know, St. Francis is big and mean up front. I mean, that's just the bottom line. And that made the biggest difference on Saturday. Now, spin it forward. What would happen if these two meet again in a couple of weeks with a section title online? I'm going to say a lot can happen between now and then, but if everything's equal, St. Francis walks into that game as the favorite and they are the favorite from here on against Bay area competition at this moment in time, they've earned the right to be called the Bay area's best team. Now, before I finish, I do want to selfishly give three cheers to coffee TV 20 and the Bay area online sports network for allowing me to watch this game from the comfort of my own home. 
Those guys have done a great job this season. So props to them for expanding access to high school football. I 100% agree with you. Uh, they, the, the, the Lancers are absolutely the top dog right now until someone can beat them. And until that happens, it's their ticket to the Open Bowl if they want it. I don't know if they really want it, but it's theirs for the taking. So Sunday, we got NCS pairings for, for their tournaments. We got CCS pairings, no surprise. St. Francis and Sarah ended up one and two. Uh, the one and two seeds in the uh, CCS um, Division One bracket. We're going to talk about this a little bit later with Coach Edson, but the funky bracket in the NCS Division One slash Open uh, ended up with De La Salle 1, Pittsburgh 2. Not, no surprise there. Um, but you know, uh, there's a lot of other intriguing matchups inside these brackets. One thing that we used to do when we were at the paper, um, is we would do preview capsules for every, every division. And, uh, the categories were, um, a, a couple of those categories were one dark horse and two dream matchup. So I thought maybe we'd each take one of those, um, for any of the, uh, divisions in the NCS or CCS and, uh, I'll start first. I'll go with I'll go with my dark horse. For my dark horse, I'm going to say it's uh, the four seed Menlo School of Atherton in the CCS Division One bracket. I think if they could topple Half Moon Bay this week, they could really make a game out of it with top seed San Benito. And boom, just like that, uh, the Knights and, and quarterback Sergio Beltran uh, are in a championship game, which would be pretty sweet for them. That's a strong choice. Um, I will. <laughs> Let me back up for a second. You posited that perhaps you might not be at a rematch next weekend of uh, Los Lomas and Benicia. Correct me if I'm wrong, but you also referenced the funky bracket in the NCS. <laughs> might I suggest you potentially would be at Owen Owens Field? Yes, I might be there. in Pittsburgh? I'm just throwing yeah. that out there. Yeah, that, that's probably where I'll be. That's probably why I wouldn't be at that mat- at that rematch between Benicia I, and Los Lomas. No. If there were only one of us, I might want to buy a ticket to that one. Um, all right. So Dark Horse, you picked a four seed, huh? I picked a four seed. Okay, the division one. That's a cop yeah, out. Um, that's the that's the top of the bracket, my friend. So <laughs> let me let me follow you through the rabbit hole here. Uh, yes, I can also pick a four seed, and it is in the Division Two North Coast Section playoffs. It is the Campolindo Cougars. Uh, Tough matchup this week against Dublin. It's in the running for my personal where will Ben land on Friday night. But uh, they've gotten better. You can't say enough about good coaching in high school football. And Kevin Macy, year after year after year, gets his guys right. They settled on a quarterback. Dash Weaver doing a good job. And the Cougars have gotten better. So uh, watch out for them in D2. If I need to dig a little bit deeper, though, and I need to give you a true dark horse, I'm going to go to a game that would foil what you just talked about. What about the Gauchos of Casa Grande as the number six seed in division three? And I say that because when you have a big time quarterback, like Sir Jacob Porteous, (laughs) you got a chance, man, you can play. So um, I exchanged messages over the weekend with John Antonio. I I read, um, on social media that this was his first league title as a high school coach. John Antonio has been doing it a long time, man. Props to him. Uh, Well-deserved for a good dude. And why not the Gauchos in in division three as a dark horse? That's a good one. If I'm Jacob Porteous and I'm watching uh, Las Lomas' Michael Wood torch Benicia for 300 yards, I'm feeling pretty good about my matchup this week. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's a good call too. All right. Do you want to give the first dream matchup? 
Yeah. What are we going to re? We really going to reinvent the wheel here? Come on, brother. I watched this on TV last weekend. Give me round two in the CCS with all the marbles on the line. Sarah St. Francis, who wouldn't want to watch that game again? That's the the full stop. That's the dream matchup. Give me round two of Padres and Lancers. That's fair. I, I figured one of us was going to take that. So just in case, I looked at the NCS Division II top seeds, and I think an SRV, Rancho Cotati championship game in Danville would be a pretty enticing matchup and a heck of a football game. So I put that one down as my dream matchup. Rancho SRV, awesome game, would, would be super good. The effect of these 18 brackets is we're going to get really good games earlier in the calendar. Uh, and then I really think top to bottom, the NCS playoffs this year are very, very competitive. So there's going to be a lot of good games to choose from. So meanwhile, in the Sac Joaquin section, we've reached the quarterfinals. We've got some doozies of matchups there. Doozy. Doozies. Um, including uh, Monterey Trail at Greta Bay, a seven seed versus a two seed in the Division Two field. We've been talking a, a little bit about Monterey Trail the last couple of weeks, just about how they've rebounded from their 0-5 start. And uh, are now they've now won six in a row, and they look to be a really dangerous team as they head into those quarterfinals. Uh, we thought we'd get a hold of Coach TJ Ewing of Monterey Trail to kind of talk about the Mustangs' journey to this point and their ups and downs this year. And uh, he was uh, gracious enough to uh, come aboard. So let's see what he had to say about Monterey Trail and, and what they're expecting this week and, and how they got here. All right. Well, it's our pleasure to now welcome in a coach we've referenced quite a bit on this show, actually. And when the Sackwalking session announced its playoff pairings a couple Sundays ago, I texted Ben and said that Monterey Trail may be the most dangerous number seven seed throughout Northern California. And now that the Mustangs are headed to the quarterfinals this Friday, we're excited to talk Monterey Trail football with head coach TJ Ewing. Welcome, coach. How you doing, guys? <laughs> We're good, man. We're good. Uh, so, uh, first of all, congratulations on the uh, first round win over Wood Creek. But before we talk about that, um, I'd like to start at the beginning. And Both Ben and I made it out to your season opener with Folsom. We all know, we all know how that game went. However, uh, he and I both walked away liking the effort we saw from your team. And even if we didn't feel like we could fully evaluate, evaluate you guys because of how Chris Folsom looked that night, but looking at your non-league schedule, then we, we took another step and we're like, we, we might not know who Monterey trail really is until mid October. So how much did you learn about your group that first night, um, against Folsom? And, uh, and at that point, were you a little worried about, uh, you may have stacked up more non-league schedule than you could chew or what did you kind of feel after that at that first game no we uh we knew the schedule would be hard because you know you're talking about quality quality communities let alone programs those are quality communities so you're 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 going against some real haves in that regard you know they have a lot and, um, so it was just something we knew when we played Folsom in the game we were very excited because we were like you know what um we had a lot of unforced errors in the game. And if we didn't have those unforced errors, I think the game's a little tighter and closer than uh, we did to ourselves. So that made us excited because we're like, we can fix that, right? Something that we, if they were doing things to us, which they did in the skill positions, I think they were able to, you know, 50-50 ball us a lot of times. They're really, really dominant those spots, uh, particularly their top players, really outstanding in the game. But in terms of line play, we were fine. 
the guys were playing hard and uh, right there with them. So that's where I said, you know, in the long run, we'll be fine. We just got to go through this process of, uh, you know, the schedule we, we put together and, uh, and try to get it going. But, uh, but it's, it's like for every school, it's a very difficult situation because you're not dealing with a normal school year, right? You're not dealing with, oh, just walk to school and just magically do the lesson plan. And everything works out. It's like, that's not the case when you're dealing with every district, private or public has their own way of doing their policies, procedures, and programming. So you don't know who's playing who on Friday night, right? We don't really know. Like you're, you're projecting, you're thinking, and I, I just think it's, I wouldn't say it's a waste because you have to do something for the papers to be sold. But at the end of the day, the rankings mean nothing. I mean, they really don't mean anything because all it has to do with the one and done tournament. And this is where we're in right now. It's a one and done. You either win and you're in or you're bounced. And that's the way it goes. Well, nobody, uh, nobody wants to begin a season 0-5, but if there was such a thing as a good 0-5, this is one of them. For, for those who may not be familiar with Monterey Trail's first five opponents, they are currently a combined 39-11. and 11. Four of them are ranked in the Sports Stars' most recent top 20 rankings. Three of them are top three seeds in their dis- respective Division I brackets. And every game was competitive with Monterey Trail. Those last two non-league games against Lincoln Stockton and Clayton Valley were both one-score games. So my question is, you, you haven't had to coach through a start of a season like that in more than a decade. How did you keep your guys positive and trusting in the process as you went through the first part of your schedule? And what leaders on your team stepped up to help you with that? Oh, I think uh, we, we, were, we were watching how they're interacting with each other. And uh, we, we got to the point where we decided to change our, our practice plan in terms of what we do with our lesson uh, throughout the practice time that really kept them busy. You know, they didn't really have time to, to talk or argue about things. You know, I think that was something that, you know, started coming up like they're losing reps because they're starting to, you know, they're such alphas. They want to all grab the horn and do it. And it's like, you know, we can't, we got to, we got to move. We got to go next, you know, next drill, next exercise. So that was the biggest thing just getting them to, uh, Cause they really were, you know, they didn't know what to do. You know, because then when you self-inflict it's harder because you're a team, you have to, you have to really um, like, I like the Warriors right now. Like the Warriors are playing the way we're trying to get our kids to buy into. And that is have the top leaders, all our senior class really um, inspire and say positive things to the young guys that are coming up and make them feel like they're a million bucks. You know what I mean? And I like the words right now. That's what I'm, that's where we're kind of basing our idea off. Of we came to be week five is we just changed the way you talk to each other. You know what I mean? Like how you say things. Maybe you have to say something that, you know, that uh, you think is funny, but it's not. It hurts its feelings, you know? And, and Bill Walsh said it best. You want to have your team all feel good about themselves. You can't have anyone on the team. If you're talking about a team, you're trying to make sure everybody feels good about themselves. You can't have anybody have bad feelings or not be wanted or feel appreciated. So no one's surprised then you guys, you guys, um, you guys flipped the script. Yeah. You took care of business in the Metropolitan League. Yeah. You outscored opponents 292 to 13. Um, but now you're dealing, uh, but you know, then you come into next to last week and you're dealing with the flip side of the, of the nominee scenario. Right. So after that kind of dominance, now you have to hope your kids are ready to respond again against postseason caliber talent. So what did you uh, what did you like most from that 39-23 win over Wood Creek last Friday? Um, I liked that we were physical. I thought I thought that we were we didn't you know we didn't back down and we kept going after it. And uh, I was excited about the whole team's effort in that regard because that's kind of like 
when you play in, a, in, a, in another league and you're playing different people, sometimes a little difference when it gets to the playoff atmosphere. And um, that part of the game kind of, I, I thought a couple of years ago, we played Pleasant Grove week round one. And uh, it was, it was the physical thing kind of shook us up a little bit. We're like, they had bigger, stronger linemen. They had, you know, it was just, a, it was a bigger group of kids, which will be challenged this week, Granite Bay that way. You know, we're going to face a team that has physically bigger, stronger kids. And so um, I thought our kids did a good job. I was pretty, pretty excited about that part. I was pleasantly, pleasantly surprised. Well, for uh, the record, we're going to beat our own chest here for a second. This, uh, this show was all in on the Mustangs last week. Chase picked you guys to win, as did our recurring weekly guest, Coach Terry Edson. And Coach Edson okay. had, some, had some glowing remarks about you throughout the year and the type of program you run. So he, he's undoubtedly glad that you made him look smart last week. <laughs> yeah, Terry, um, Terry's one of my favorite coaches, teachers, human beings all the time. I have so much admiration and respect for him, what he's done for so many people for so many years. He's a legend, true legend of uh, the whole state. He's top coach in the history of the state of California, in my opinion. I, uh, Chase, I'm, I don't know if I can bring myself to call him a legend in person today when we record, but, uh, he's funny guy. He won't take that. He won't take that. Terry's not going to take that. He's, he's, he's a joker guy. Yeah, um, great. well, we, uh, we all know, uh, Granite Bay, you've referenced it is, is a different kind of beast. And so everyone talks about the offenses in the Sierra Foothill league, but Granite Bay's success really seems to be defense driven this year. What have you seen on film and what do you think the biggest challenge will be for your guys this week? Oh, there's very sound. Like they've always been with Joe's teams and his dad, same way they're, they're just, they have their system. They know what their uh, rules, responsibilities, alignment, assignment, they're, they're going to be in the spot. You know, they're not going to ever be duped or, uh, you know, faked or you got to beat them. I mean, it's if it'll be 50, 50 balls, play after play after play. And they're not, they're going to volley the ball over every time. They'll never hit the net. It'll always go over. And you have to make a play. So if you get nervous, it's in the net and you're losing. So that's how it works with those guys. You got to beat them, you know. Uh, if you were you know, looking at your team and if there was one stat or scenario that you could say, if we do this, I'm confident we'll have a great shot this week. What would that be? Consistency. You know, if we say consistent, that'll be, which I saw flare up a little bit in the, in the Wood Creek game, you know, inconsistency with certain things, the structure of, uh, you know, the, three phases. So I, I saw a little bit of that. And as some we've been harping on our kids since the five weeks uh, stretch, that first five weeks is just uh, coach Curry has been around me for 43 years. And he's telling me, he's like, we gotta be consistent. You know, he's totally right. And he's totally right. It's like, that's our biggest problem is just, can I do it again the same way I did last time, you know, and then, you know, get the, you get the different personalities and <laughs> it just kind of goes sideways. But I think they're trying their best. And I, I love our student athletes and whatever they do on Friday night. I'll appreciate, you know, anything you do. What's been your favorite part of this journey with this team? Um, I could say um, just the growth of the kids. We have a lot of student athletes that are young for the class, you want to say. So to see them battle through being a young senior, you know, if I'm this age, I should be, you know, they're young for their class. And I always, always look at that all the years I've been teaching, like kids are coming to school and they're like 13 year old freshmen or maybe 12 and a half. And they're really young and they, they get to the senior year and they're still kind of socially a little different. They're, they don't know how to fit in, but they're really highly intelligent. So you have this total double-edged thing going on with their personality. And so I think that's been the biggest, I feel really good about the growth of the senior class and how they've come together and bought in and they really want to do it right. You know, but like I said, it's like when you have the yin and yang going on with them, 
about, I, I, I just need a couple more days to grow up. <laughs> You're like, right now we're playing a game. We got to go, you know? But so it's like in a competitive world, like sports, they kind of get thrust into that real quick because you're playing competitive game. If you're in a regular classroom, you have time to develop them and mature. But like with this stuff, it's like right now, and the COVID didn't, didn't allow us to really develop them like we should have in the off season because we weren't in school per se. And I don't care what video Zoom thing you're trying to do. That's not the, that's not the ticket. That's not the magic. It doesn't happen that way. You have to see it in person. Well, Coach, it's going to be uh, – we've been talking about it already. It's going to be a heck of a game between you guys and Granite Bay this week. I do want to, before we break, just say Chase and I started our season at your stadium, and when we showed up, we had a lot of questions as to how the the kind of normal feel of high school football was going to was gonna be. And just get, wanted to take the opportunity to shout out your administration and the way you guys put things on because it was a great return to high school football for us. Uh, week one, right out of the box. So credit to Monterey Trail and credit to you guys for getting to this point in the season. It's going to be a heck of a game this week. Yeah, thank you. And that's uh, all the teachers that teach on campus to come out and help us in the box and, and the administrators that – talk and say hi and it's just it's a welcoming environment and that's been the, the day one with uh mr Mackers, our vice principal passed away uh 2007 8 um he was the one with uh, mr um uh, mr chapman and miss draper they were all the people that started the whole love you know love idea of like let's let's be positive let's give love out and hopefully that comes back and we stay keep a positive learning environment and everybody will be happy and i think that was what showed up that Friday night. I was really excited about that game. Regardless of the scores, whatever, I didn't care. I just, it was a competitive atmosphere and that's what our kids uh, work hard for. It felt totally right. Agree. Yep. Yeah, totally agree. All right, coach. Well, good luck this week and uh, uh, we'll be watching. Thank you very much guys for your time. Right. Today. Thank you coach. Thanks. All right guys. Enjoy. Bye. There you go. And now we're going to take a quick timeout for a quick message from sports stars magazine's podcast partner, the California army national guard. We understand an upside-down world, but they're writing us off before we get to the starting line. A stalled generation? Who do you think is going to fix all this? We will, because our future is the future. The next greatest generation is now. Visit NationalGuard.com to find out more. And now, back to the show. Well, we want to thank Monterey Trail head coach TJ Ewing once again for taking a little bit of time out to talk SAC Joaquin section playoffs and all things Mustang. Uh, we will segue into another enlightening segment with his friend and our friend and your friend, the old ball coach, Terry Edson. And this week in our segment with Coach Edson, we discuss some stone-cold locks that maybe went awry, and we talk about uh, playoff football. So let's tune in to what the coach had to say for another edition of Football with Terry. Well, we are back for another week of uh, hard-hitting analysis, and we are joined once again by Coach Terry Edson. And Coach, before we get to football this week, we need to do a little review of the stone-cold lock that you gave me and that I wagered my hard-earned dollars on <laughs> last week. What were, Did you account for CC coming down the stretch and being able to take over that race? Um, that's why it's called gambling, Ben. Okay. There is no such thing as a lock. You should know that like anyone just wasn't her day. As we like to say in the business, Ben, you know, I don't know. Did she come up 
she have a fever or anything the next day? I was wondering if she was a little sick or something. I didn't hear any excuses. So didn't see any excuses. Didn't see any talk of. Well, uh, you didn't take your house. It was she was two to five. What a joke! I never you paid like two sixty to <laughs> gonna make sixty cents. Come on. As soon as I saw that, I knew she could be favorite. When I saw the odds, I went, "That is ridiculous." Yeah. So yeah. I suppose Chase. That's why we're here to talk football, not horses, right? <laughs> yeah, but I'll, I'll still we'll still stick with. Thing, uh, things that Terry was wrong about. Um. <laughs> well, that's going to be the whole segment. Then. <laughs> uh, let's. Um, we spent a lot of time last week. I, all three of us actually spent a lot of time last week talking about that St. Francis and Sarah game, uh, building it up. I'm sure that you um, you watched it. Uh, you watched the broadcast, and so I'm just curious what what impressed you most about St. Francis's big win. <laughs> Okay, since I'm the most honest guy you know, you said, he just said, I'm sure you watched the broadcast. You do know that was right in smack during the Breeders' Cup, right, Chase? I'm sure you went back and watched the DVR. I forgot to tape it because I didn't oh my know it was on. Uh, I watched the second, I watched a little bit of the second quarter, but I mean, what, what, what is it? I mean, the guy, the, the running back's incredible. I mean, and what do you run for 345 or something like yeah. that? Like I said, it's going to be part two in a couple of weeks anyway, the way I see it. But, like um, you know, that offensive line is good. Um, you know, the one thing I worry is St. Francis, if they, you know, they run the table, they're obviously going to be in the open. If modern day wins it or whoever down there wins it, they're going to stack the box and they're going to have, they have a lot of, they have DBs. They have like 12 of them. They're all got division one scholarships. They're going to go man to man. They're, they're going to make you throw it. I mean, a good running team and you got it. And I, I know St. Francis can throw it. I don't think that's their bread and butter. And that's going to be the issue that they're going to run into. Well, that was my uh, impression of the St. Francis Sarah game too. And like you, I tried my best to um, stick with the Breeders' Cup. I went back and forth and then abandoned uh, the Sarah game for a little while. Um but I did go back and watch it. And, and it was just like Coach Walsh said, it was extremely physical. And St. Francis won at the point of attack. And that was, I, I think Coach Walsh's uh, um, analysis last week was spot on. So um, in the meantime, we have playoff football everywhere in Northern California to talk about this week, including here at home in the North Coast section. Um, and I wanted to get your thoughts on the North Coast section finally moving to eight team brackets. Um, and if you think it will lead to less first round blowouts and, and maybe better playoffs overall. Yeah, they're trying to match teams up a little bit better. Um, obviously, the De La Salle influence has uh, something to do with this. But it wasn't, you know, you're, you're correct, though. It wasn't just De La Salle. I mean, there was first rounds are usually... You know, it's interesting that, you know, because I was on, I've been on committees, you know, to pick, you know, teams in other sports, um, you know, to do the brackets and things like that. And um, it's just interesting, you know, the, there are upsets along the way in other sports with, you know, like um, a 12 seed upsetting, you know, a lower seed, or you, you do see that or making it close. You don't really see that in football. And uh, I think two things, and one of them, I'm sure people, if anybody's listening is going to go, 
Yeah, whatever. But, uh, you know, the, the De La Salle anomaly as a football program in Northern California is really a fascinating uh, phenomena that's gone on over all these years because you know it's the one team it's the one sport where you could look at this and go you know that it's just never happened before really where a team you know did this well in the playoffs and, it, and it's interesting and at the same time uh like I said people are going like whatever you know that Delzell does that but you know really in a case study down the road I mean that's something that's really interesting at the same time, you have to be realistic and go like, okay, you know, De La Salle is, has won since, you know, 1992, and it's 2021. And, you know, what are we going to do about that? It, it's such a competitive anomaly. I mean, in that sense, because there's some good teams in the North Coast section. I mean, I could go on and on about teams that are really good and competitive. And, um, but you got to do something, right? That kind of takes me into my next question, which is a little more specific about what they're trying to do. And I know that uh, I'm sure that um, as a friend and, and colleague of um, of coaches like Coach Galley, uh, you I mean, certainly there have been years where you have, have felt for them, you know, not being able to advance, especially once they got once they won't let the runner ups move on anymore. So um, now the section is trying to do something to help kind of protect that runner up against you and let them try and play their way into, into the CAF. Um, and they kind of created like a funky bracket here where they're, they're going one and two versus seven and eight and calling that an open playoff. And then (laughs) they got, they got three through seven in a division one playoff. It's just, you know, I, I'm curious what you think of that model. Is it, is it a, a model that they, do you think they can sustain? And I have to think, Teams like James Logan, who's a league champ, and Amador Valley are kind of wondering how they end up in in an open bracket, to, so to say. So, yeah, I, you're man, you're absolutely correct. You know, if you're if they're if you're those teams, I mean, you have to wonder. Like, I understand what they're going through. I'm sure, like you said, Amador is going. What did we do wrong? <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I just don't know. I was at the. Um, it was, a, um, I don't know if it was a state level meeting, but it was definitely, this topic came up about playoffs. I forget, I was there to talk about something, I, to be honest with you, it's like four or five years ago. I mean, and there was talk about, don't, you know, just tell us all, just move them on and let the other teams play for it. I mean, just take them out of the, bra- I mean, it's like, we have a, like a four week bye. I mean, they were, you know, they brought that up to do that. You know, let's just, you know, why do we have to, it's the same thing, you know, why do we have to play this team, you know, or that team? And I, I mean, I don't know what, to, uh, I know nobody wants to play De La Salle. I understand that, but, you know, like you said, Pittsburgh, there's always another formidable Northern Cal, I mean, North Coast section team that probably nobody wants to play at Pittsburgh, probably that second team. So right. got to play some, I and mean, we've got to do something. I mean, what are you going to do? And I realize that the buy, I mean, a part of that is the buys are the sticking point. I mean, even that's, that's the disadvantage to De La Salle too, to have to play, you know, you only have to play two games in four weeks. If you just, you know, if you just set up a De La Salle versus Pittsburgh and let them play and then whoever wins that has to sit two more weeks and wait again. Yeah, I've done it. I mean, no one's going to feel sorry for us, but it's not easy to coach that way. It's, It's not, it's not fun for the kids. It's not fun for anybody. I wish I had a solution. I, I, you know, I wish, 
even that there it was we could have Catholic schools that were competitive to where we could have even a Catholic way of going about it. But uh, the no, there's not any Catholic schools around here that are dying to play us either. You know, outside of the we'd have to go outside of the section. That's the other side. You know, you can't you can't go to San Joaquin section and play there. I mean, that's not right either. So I, I if anybody's got any ideas, let me know. I don't know what else you could do. It's the bottom line is, and you started with this in this discussion, it's going to be, it's a fascinating case study 20 years from now. <laughs> it really is. People will look back and see how they tried and they've, they've tried almost everything to deal with this issue. And this is the newest, uh, the newest way they're going to go about it. And we'll see what it yields, but. Right. Um, Cause remember when we beat Folsom those years and they decided to come up with the open, you know, right. that turned it into that because, you know, this isn't right. And Folsom was a good team. They're going like, we could play with almost anybody except those guys. And what, what about what, what's going on with us? And you know, I, I hear you. Yep. Yeah. Well, the, uh, and the. You could bottom... have a straight state playoff now. We could do that. that yeah. Yes. Yes. You know, and then oh, I, I've always suggested, you know, maybe do a four team NorCal playoff, right? A four team NorCal play. You don't have to, because I know they're worried about expenses. So a four team NorCal playoff. And and then you know do the same thing down south, um, maybe like for the I don't know for the opening division one or something. Maybe just do a NorCal playoff for that, and then go play the state. And then if you don't make that, then the rest then you have another eight per, eighteen bracket for the North Coast section. And yeah. then once you win that, you're just done. You just play for the section championship, and that's it. So that teams would opt into that understanding that they wouldn't be in the North coast section playoffs. I don't think the North coast section is on board with that though, because you know, when we play for in North, we bring a decent crowd and all that. And there's, I mean, is there is some financial considerations here? Well, the best part about all of this is that uh, starting this week, the brackets will, we'll stop talking about brackets and we'll start talking about wins and losses and who, uh, who gets it done. So, on that note, we will transition to picking a few games. And before I jump into your first pick, I want to give you the opportunity to lavish praise on one Doug Longero, who finally came through for you last week. Dougie, Dougie finally, I told you, you have to keep riding the horse until it wins for you. So uh, I can't wait to see him. I'll see him eventually down the road. Um, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be so much fun to give him a bad time. But he can take, he's got a good sense of humor. He'll be okay. You know? Um, Las Lomas, that was a nice win for them. That should propel them well. It gives them confidence going into the playoffs. Yeah. Uh, well, we will start with a rematch in a game that I think all of us have uh, picked before. Uh, East Bay Athletic League powers collide once again in Danville. Cal High heading to Monta Vista in the aforementioned NCS Division I bracket. The first time around, the Mustangs came out on top. Uh, Grizzlies and Mustangs round two. Who you got? Well, this uh, let me. This game's at Monta Vista, correct? Correct. Right. Okay. So, I'll get into the psychology of uh, this game starting off. So, first of all, Monta Vista, of course, was in the running for the EBL championship, and you see this in college all the time. I'm not saying it's quite as I don't know if it's the same care for high school, but you're playing. You know, you're you're you got hopes of winning the championship, and then you get derailed with two straight losses. 
not only did they lose last week, but they lost to their rival, San Ramon. So here's the other thing that happens, because I've been in, seen this at De La Salle all the time. So right off the bat, you're, you're coming in disappointed, and you're upset about that. And then the other side of it is, you know, the kids now, they, they lose a little spark because they know they've lost, and, you know, coming to practice now, it's like, uh, and now they're playing Cal High, a team they've already beat. So there's not any excitement from Monta Vista and Mac game. Not only that, I can tell you right now what's going to happen. The student body, who is a big force at, at Monta Vista, they're going to go, oh, we're playing Cal High again, and I have to pay money? Forget it. I'm not even going there. I've been to Del South games. It's like, does anybody know this is a playoff game? There's like 400 people in there. So the atmosphere, they're going to go from an electric atmosphere for against the San, against San Ramon to like, um, you know, what is, <laughs> is there a golf match going on? What is going on out here? It's going to be, I'm just telling you that and that the kids are going to be flat. I'm, I'm, I'm predicting but the flatness out of the Monta Vista team, there won't be any energy at the game. And, and who's the one team that's got all the momentum and who cares about this game the most? Cal High, it's a revenge game. So uh, I, I think it's going to be close, but I really do. I think that it's, the, I call it the bummer uh, factor. <laughs> I think Cal High comes on top just because Monta Vista is bummed out and there's, it's going to be a low energy game. That's how I see it. I could be wrong about the kids, but, um, I don't know. There's a lot of similarities between Monte Vista kids and our kids, so I don't think I'm wrong on this. I, I'm familiar with the bummer factor. I get that a lot. <laughs> yeah, okay. We've got a new term to add to the the podcast uh, glossary: bummer yeah, factor. I, yeah. I, 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 I have not copyrighted, so go right ahead and use. All right, it. <laughs> perfect. Now I'll give you the game that I think I might be planning to go to. So this is usually the this this is actually a must see baseball matchup of the spring, but this time it's football. Elk Grove visits Vacaville, two very physical teams with similar records, lots of, lots of history on both sides of the ball. What do you think about this one? Okay, well, um, I tell you what, uh, when you get down in the playoffs, I mean, everyone, of course, everyone loves offense, and why wouldn't we? It's an exciting part of the game. But to win playoff games, you got to be able to play defense. And uh, the one thing Vacaville has for it, they do play great defense. They've only, uh, the most I think they've given up all year is 17 points in one game. That's going to bode really well in the playoffs. Um, in the matchup, although it was close, it's, it's a hard matchup. I remember, like I said, I used to do committee work. You'd always look for matchups and decide. And Vacaville beat Oak Ridge. You know, Elk, Riz, Oak, uh, Elk Grove lost to Oak Ridge. So, um, although both of them are super close, so I don't put a ton of stock on that, but they did win. But here's the factor, I think. You know, Elk Grove, last five games, their defense, 0-0, and 70. <laughs> so uh, that's the game I'm looking at, like, uh-oh. So uh, I just think, I think, uh, Chase is right. It's pretty well. It's a great matchup, but I think defense wins this game, so I'm going with Vacaville. 
All right, let's uh, let's move on to the third and final choice. We've got a four-five matchup in the CCS playoffs. It is number four Salinas hosting number five Menlo Atherton of Atherton. The Bears are eight and two, and we have a complicated history with them in the picks. Uh, we do, we do. <laughs> uh, meanwhile, I'm Salinas... feeling confident on this one, though. <laughs> Salinas enters at eight and zero, and champs of the Pacific Coast Gavilan Division. Cal Prep says Salinas gets this one by three points. What say you? You know, I'm going <laughs> what an idiot. I'm going to go against Menlo again. But once again, <laughs> you know, you have to, <laughs> you got to, the defensive coach here, okay, you got, look at, first of all, Menlo's going to score. That's a given. You know you're going to give up some points. But uh, unfortunately for Menlo this year, they give up some points too. And Salinas, puts points on the board, but for the season, Salinas has given up 137 less points than Menlo's Atherton's defense. That's a big difference right there. And I think Salinas's defense, it's like North Carolina, Wake Forest last weekend. They're not going to stop each other. Who's going to get the most stops though is going to win the game. I'm predicting Salinas gets enough stops to win this game in a barn burner, something like, I'm going to say 45, 38, something like that. But if Salinas does shut him down to 20, 24, that would not surprise me. I think they, they've been playing pretty good defense all year. And, you know, what stops great hitting pitching? What stops not a great offense? Defense. Well, um, we will wrap it up then. Yeah, it's, it's playoff time. Playoff time, Coach. It is a privilege to be able to, to be in the playoffs. It's your last, you know, time to be with your teammates. You know, one thing about uh, uh, about playoffs for, you know, I always talked about with our guys, and it was when you got to playoffs, you can kind of ramp back up again because the players, number one, they understand it's one and done now. You know, when we lost to uh, St. Francis, like at Del South, well, we still had more games, you know, then we lost to St. Francis of Maryland. We still got more, you know, you still have more games. Now you're at a point where like you don't have any more games. So, you know, you understand it's a one and done. The other thing is, uh, and this helps you as a football coach in high school, regardless, you know, of, of, this, of who you're playing, whatever. One thing that, you know, is to practice and all that. And it's been, I mean, regardless, that's been like 12 or 14 weeks. The kids now see on the horizon that the season is coming to a close. That actually energizes the kids because they realize, hey, we're going to be done soon. The seniors, it be, the, every game becomes much more important to them because for, you know, 95% of these high school kids, this is the last time they're going to be playing organized tackle football. So uh, it's, it's a fun time to play and Unfortunately, Pete, you know, your season's going to end with a loss for some teams. That's just the nature of playoffs. But it is, it's a special experience to be able to have the opportunity to be in them. And um, it, it's, the, it's a great time of year. It's cooler. Uh, and when the weather gets cooler, I think, you, you know, I think that's, that's football weather to me. You know, playing in 95-degree weather, I, I never, after a after I got older, I was like, oh, I hate this weather. But... This is my kind of weather. This, see, if it was like this, I wouldn't be retired, probably, because I could hang in this weather. But uh, 
No, this is a fun time of year. It's the best time of year to be playing in. And congratulations to all the teams. It's, you know, accumulation of hard work throughout the off season and to get into the playoffs and, and all the coaches that have done that. It's, you know, it's a fun time to be playing. There's no doubt about it. All right. Well, we'll go get ready to watch the playoff football. We'll be back next week and we'll do it all again. Okay, boys. Thank you. Have a good evening. All right. See you later. (laughs) All right. Well, Coach Edson's elegant soliloquy on the greatness of playoff football has me fired up now. Let's uh, let's just jump right into picks. Let's do this. Are you, are you ready to hear the slate, Ben? We are going to get seriously weird later in the quick <laughs> picks. So you bring it. You bring it, and you better be ready. <laughs> so uh, the seven games that we are choosing from this week for our uh, primary picks are as follows. We have number 13, Valley Christian of San Jose at... Number four, Sarah of San Mateo. Number eight, Bellarmine of San Jose at number six, Los Gatos. Number 10, St. Mary Stockton at number 15, Edison of Stockton. Number 14, Menlo Atherton at number 19, Salinas. Then we finally get to some matchups that aren't with ranked teams. We have Elk Grove at Vacaville. We have California at Monta Vista in a rematch from the regular season. And Dublin at Camp Olindo. So I will let you take first honors and get us started. All right. Good, good, good. Well, like I, uh, like I said, we're going to get weird later. So let me start with some hard-hitting analysis. I am starting in the CCS with a West Catholic Athletic League rematch between Valley Christian and Sarah. Uh, Valley Christian pulled out a good 28-22 to 22 win over Reardon to close out the regular season. And we've obviously talked about what the last week has been like for Sarah. Uh, I guess my question here is something that Coach Edson has referenced throughout the year. What is the physical condition of Sarah after a game like last week's against St. Francis? Uh, Even if that answer isn't exactly what you want to hear if you're a Sarah Padre fan, there's still a lot to like there. And the Padres did win the first meeting between the two. Although, as Coach Walsh told us last week, it was a close contest and a one-score game. So it's going to be a good one. They're certainly not going to take uh, Jurion Dickey, Jackson Berman, and Valley Christian lightly. Uh, but I'm taking Sarah to bounce back from his first loss, and I'm going to lock that in right off the bat as my lock for the week. That will be my lock, too. And I'll get to that. Oh, spoiler alert. I know, right? So for my first pick, I'm already going against the CalPreps HAL 9000 Dot Matrix Printer Texas Industries Pocket Calculator, which thinks Dublin will beat Campolindo by a touchdown. That is nonsense. All right. I guarantee that its algorithm doesn't factor in Campolindo's decades worth of postseason consistency. Ben, do you want to wager a guess what year Coach Kevin Macy's Cougars last loss of first round playoff game? Ooh. Let's say... What is this, 2021? Let's say 2012. You were close. It was 2010, a road mm-hmm. loss to eventual Division Three champion Cardinal Newman. In fact, you actually had a, one year right here. You have to go back to 2012 to even find the last Camp Lindo season that even ended before the last weekend in November. So this year, the Cougars finished 7-3, and three, won five of their last six games. Dublin closed the season, losing three of five. I'm begging on history and recent play and taking Campolindo. Just makes sense. If you're wrong, will you buy an Epson stylus printer <laughs> to rival the HAL 9000 dot matrix printer? 
also a quality pull with the Texas industries there. Yes, I will. Um, I'll figure out something to make up for being wrong on that pick if I'm wrong. Okay. I'll personally call TJ Costello and apologize. How's that? Ooh, I like this. All right. So uh, as I mentioned before, we'll go uh, when well, my second pick will be my lock. And after losing my lock last week, I looked at the slate this week and said, who do I think the best team on the board is? And the answer was clearly Sarah. Yes, they took their first loss last week, but that was against the NorCal number one team, and the game was competitive through three quarters. And yes, Valley Christian played them with two within seven points in their WCL meeting earlier this fall, but I don't see any way that a top five ranked caliber team like Sarah doesn't bounce back in a big way. I'll put my faith in chalk and the Padres unlock. So. Oh, I see what you did there. That was awesome. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you also took the chalk, which... Uh is my specialty yes um all right i am going to head to the central valley next and perhaps i'm making the same mistake again but i am going to take on a really good matchup between number five seed saint mary's of stockton and number four seeded edison of stockton the rams are really rolling right now see what i did there <laughs> and yes. the fighting Jaden marshall's are riding a nine game win streak after a 56 to 12 win over mcclatchy sacramento last week Edison got the first round by last week as the number four seed and the Vikings are riding a five game win streak of their own with their only loss coming in early September against central of Fresno all the way back in week one, I picked against Edison and it bit me when they beat Lincoln. Maybe I'm dooming myself again, but I remain a card carrying member of the Jaden Marshall fan club. Thank you very much. Give me the Rams. And to wrap this thing up, I may be going out on the very short limb that you are. I haven't decided which NCS game I'm going to, so this may violate our longstanding rule of avoiding the games we end up at. But I am going to choose from Division II, NCS, where number four Campo is number five Dublin. The Cougs took a while to find a groove this year, but even in a year where we wondered what the deal was early, what's your deal? We look up and we find them heading into the playoffs at seven and three. They're also coming in off a couple real good wins over Las Lomas and Miramani. On the other side, Dublin did a nice job getting themselves right with a win over Doherty Valley, but the loss to Livermore the week before really does give me pause. Now you've already mentioned it. The Hal 9,000 dot matrix, Texas instruments <laughs> printer slash graphing calculator has Dublin winning this one. By a touchdown. They don't even have it within seven points. That's what I'm saying. And while I do grant that it could be a game that ends up with kind of a mid-tier score, like probably in the 20s, uh, I'm fighting the machines. I am raging against the machine here. <laughs> Give me the Cougars on home soil. All right. So last week, we talked about potential sack walking session playoff games with the potential to be a rematch and a reverse outcome from the regular season. I think we could get a game like that in Danville this week. Monta Vista has lost two straight since topping California 27-22 on October 22nd. The Mustangs punched Cal in the mouth early in that game and got the benefit of a missed call by a side judge on what became a long touchdown play. Monta Vista definitely played well enough to win that game, and Cal made some costly mistakes, but the Mustangs seemingly caught a few extra breaks in that win. Cal comes in with revenge on its mind, we heard a little bit about that from Coach Edson, too. And I just I think they have the personnel to pull it off. So I'm going to take the Grizzlies in a revenge game. 
I didn't really have the stones to pick that game. And part of it maybe is because uh, I, I do know that from experience that Monta Vista tends to play with a chip on their shoulder and they listen to, to uh, real experts uh huh, like you and me <laughs> and that fires them up. So uh, yeah, that's going to be a really good game. And I could see that going either way. All right. Well, you get us started on rapid fire. I know quick, you've been waiting for these quick pick time. These are not going to be that quick. So settle in. <laughs> You gave me, you made the mistake this week of giving me some time to prepare, and I have prepared. So, okay. we're going to start in the Sac Joaquin section, Division Three playoffs with a couple teams that we've had in the quick pick ranks before. And let me tell you, I'm really excited about the mascot matchup here. The Sacramento High Dragons head south to take on the Manteca Buffaloes. <laughs> and if you were to ask me who would win in a battle to the death, I think I'd take a dragon but a Buffalo does possess the power to make me pause a little bit. Now let's turn serious for a second. Can we talk about the Radcliffs at Sacramento high? Lamar Radcliffe is a six foot two, 225 pound running back linebacker athlete who is just named capital athletic league offensive player of the year. Corey Radcliffe is a 5'11, 237 pound linebacker who was just named capital athletic league defensive player of the year. Oh, and you want to be truly amazed? These dudes are sophomores. Right. Like, we're just getting started. Okay, so that's Sack High. On the other side, you have Thor. Literally, they are facing Thor, Chase. Blake Nicholson, a linebacker running back from Antica, is literally nicknamed Thor. And he's run for over 1,300 yards and 25 touchdowns this year. So tell me, Chase, are you going to ride the dragon? Or are you siding with the magical, mystical powers of Thor's hammer? <laughs> All right. Oh, man. Where's this plane playing again? I don't know. <laughs> no, it's in Manteca. It's in Manteca. Man, I, I don't know. This is tough. I think I would go. I'm, I'm going to go with Manteca on this one. Okay. Buffaloes over dragons. Yes. I like that. All right. You've always had a power game. <laughs> All right, for this next game, we're going to do some trivia. Follow me into the, into the abyss here. Can you tell me who starred as teenager Lydia Dietz in the 1988 film Beetlejuice? Winona Ryder? That would be Winona Ryder, <laughs> who, in 1988, was a student at Petaluma High School. Amazing, right? <laughs> Let me tell you that this week, those very Petaluma Trojans are heading to Mill Valley for a NCS Division IV first-round matchup with Tamil Pius. And might you be able to tell me perhaps the most famous alum of Tamil Pius High School? I probably should know this, but I might not be able to do it. It is Tupac Shakur. Oh. This week's matchup is a good one. With Petaluma bringing a 7-3 record into Saturday's game and Tam checking in at 6-4. and four. Remember, Tam very nearly knocked off San Marin a couple weeks ago on their home field. So, will you side with Winona and perhaps Michael Keaton riding shotgun as Beetlejuice? Or will Saturday be time for some California love <laughs> in Mill Valley? Uh, I think I'm going to take Tam Opias here. I'm going wow. to take Tam. I like it. Okay. Yes. They also watch picks and pay attention. I've seen on social media. So they'll be very excited for that. Fantastic. Okay. 
I'm going on and on and on. So let's wrap this thing up. No, keep. No, your your performance is uh, outstanding so far. I wanted to make sure to hit all the major food groups this week. So let <laughs> us take a trip to the CCS, where we find the Division Two playoffs and a matchup between Santa Cruz, champions of the Pacific Coast Mission Division, heading to Santa Clara to take on Wilcox. Let's drop some local knowledge here. Last week, Santa Cruz won its rivalry game against Soquel and finished the program's first unbeaten season since 1993. What made this notable? The trophy they play for. Can you name their trophy? No. It is the stump. <laughs> they play for a stump. This made for some truly incredible headlines after this game. <laughs> The Santa Cruz Sentinel titled their game story, Santa Cruz Stomps Soquel for Stump, league title and first unbeaten season since 93. City on a Hill Press, the student paper at UC Santa Cruz, and props to them for covering prep football in their own area, went with <laughs> leaves, logs, and linebackers. Santa Cruz claims the stump in victory over Soquel. I mean, you can't make this stuff up, my man. No. Meanwhile, Wilcox comes in at six and four and on a serious heater as the Chargers have won five in a row after losing four of their first five. You are an unabashed Wilcox fan so far this season, but how can you pick against the owners of the stump? So I, I, I know quite a bit about this matchup because you're going to be getting it as well. Perfect. I think that there's a real reason for the Cardinals of Santa Cruz to be a little cheesed off about this matchup in terms of seeding and the fact that they are an undefeated team that has to go on the road because they got a six seed and Wilcox was given a three seed. So I think they're a little ticked off and they want to prove something. And even though uh, I really like Wilcox, I don't know. I Something tells me I got to take Santa Cruz in this one. The giant dipper calls to me and if I I'm say, not... ride the roller coaster and go with Santa Cruz. Wow. Love it. Well, that was a tremendous trio of uh, rapid fire options. Well, well done. I was called a dork in my house last night for <laughs> coming up with some of this nonsense. So you're welcome, America. I, I don't know if I'll reach those heights, but let's, let's give it a shot here. Perfect. Uh, let's go down to the frigid Alameda waterfront where mm -hmm. the 901 Incidental Jets are hosting the 5-4 and four Matadors of Miramani Orinda. These two teams have one common opponent, Berkeley, Miramani topped the Yellow Jackets by 19 on September 17th, and then instantly beat them by 10 two weeks later. Both of these teams love to put the ball in the air. The Jets averaged 213 passing yards a game behind quarterback Garrett Dethridge, while Miramani puts up 277 per game from the arm of Luke Duncan, who you referenced on this program before. But Instantal has made passing attacks pay this year to the tune of 20 interceptions in 10 games. So this is going to be a close one. Who do you like? Let's do, let's go in the Wayback Machine. This is the Jack Schramm Bowl, my friend. Yes, it is. Jack Schramm, head coach of Miramani, who used to be the head coach of the Ensignal Jets. And when he was head coach of the Ensignal Jets, those dudes didn't throw the ball at all, man. They ran the veer. So um, he's embraced his inner pass game in Orinda. Give me Coach Miner and the Jets because what, you know, what do you do when you got bogeys coming at you in the air? You scramble the Jets. Okay. Going with Ensignal. Well done. All right. Behold, 
a Sackwalk Kids section playoff game featuring a rematch of a regular season meeting. A real original. Thought it was coming, right? Real original. Here's your first chance to predict the flip result. Placer, winners of five straight after an 0-5 start, head to Folsom where they will attempt to avenge a 47-37 loss to Vista Del Lago on September 10th. You've had a precarious history mm. with the Vista Eagles on this very segment. Coach Edson will be shouting about taking the over in this one, but you need to pick a winner. Will you follow Sammy Hagar to where the Eagles fly? Whoa. Or will you order a big Eddie burger and ride with the Hillman? Wow. That was strong. Um, <laughs> I should have known I was going to get this game. Yeah, you should have. I've, I've picked for and against these teams and I never get them right ever. Last week I picked against the Hillman and they'll, you know, <laughs> my goodness. Um, you said this game's in Folsom. Uh, yes, that is correct. In honor of the Atlanta Braves recently crowned world series champions and their former infielder Placer graduate, Jeff Blauser. I will take the Hillman. Jeff Blauser was once a Chicago Cub as well, so I'll take that. Okay, yeah. Yeah. All right. So we will go back to uh, the CCS Division II game, which you gave me. Uh, it's this, I, it, I think that the CCS Division II bracket is a really sneaky good field that could produce a really fun tournament. The first round game that caught my eye, obviously, was this one. Uh, where Santa Cruz makes the drive to Santa Clara to take on Wilcox. And if Santa Cruz wanted to play the no respect card, like I mentioned, nobody would blame them. Now, since since 2019, the Cardinals are 22 and 5. And they played in the CIF Bowl the last time they were uh, the last time the Bulls were held. That they didn't they they lost it, but they were in the bowl game. So uh, they're 9-0 this season, have won their games by an average of nearly 35 points. And uh, with home sites based on seating, as I mentioned. They, a sixth seed, have to travel to the three-seeded Chargers despite being the undefeated league champ while Wilcox finished second in the De Anza League. So they're kind of ticked off. Does Santa Cruz stick it to the man and get the upset? Or will Paul Rosa's Wilcox team prove that at least one football team can win in Santa Clara this year? Whoa, the hatred flows. It's like you've, you've turned to the dark side. You're Luke after he gets his hand cut off. Um. Well, let me uh, allow me to indulge your inner Chicago Cub again, my friend. <laughs> let me tell you, if you've done, you know, if you've done the copious amounts of research that I have done on last week's game between Santa Cruz and SoCal, you would be able to tell me what I'm about to tell you: that former Chicago Cub Glenn Allen Hill is a alum of Santa Cruz High School and was on the sidelines last week to watch that win. Let's be real; I'm a weird dude. <laughs> I ain't picking against the owners of the stump. Give me the stump. <laughs> We're both on Santa Cruz. I like yes. it. No respect. The Rodney Dangerfield of CCS Division Two. That will wrap up another week of Seven Friday Night. We want to once again thank Monterey Trail coach TJ Ewing for joining us ahead of his big playoff game this week. And of course, we continue to extend our gratitude to Coach Edson for spending time with us. Seven Friday Night is available on several platforms, including Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Breaker, Pocket Cast, and Radio Public. If you listen to shows on one of those platforms, search for 7 Friday Night. That's the number 7 Friday Night. And please rate and subscribe. We build 7 Friday Night using Anchor. You can leave a voice message for us by visiting anchor.fm slash the number 7 Friday Night. 
Each of our episodes also get their own dedicated page on Sports Stars Magazine's web home, sportsstarsmag.com. You can stream the episode there, find links to the various other platforms, and check out a variety of bonus items that we tend to include. Also, be sure to follow the magazine on Twitter at, at @sportsstarsmag and our new podcast Twitter home of at @sportsstarspods. If you want to follow either of us on Twitter, you'll find us tagged on either of those accounts quite often. Design and photography for our cover art was by yours truly. Our theme music was produced and performed by Dustin Phillips. He performs in multiple bands in the Sacramento area, including an awesome cover band called Popular Demand. Look them up on Facebook or on their website, sacramentocoverband.com. And that'll do it. Final thoughts, Ben. Well, I think I've taken taken up enough of the good people's time with my craziness and rantings it's it's playoff season man the games in sac joaquin are fantastic uh get out to see those we've got some good ones here in the bay area as well but i'm excited to just uh start to play for uh getting towards section titles and then getting on towards norcal games and state games so it's a it's a fun time as coach walsh would have said last week and coach edson would i think echoed it's a great time to be alive man Let's just uh, let's get out there. Let's see some football, people. Yeah. I don't think I can add anything more to that. That was <laughs> that was that'll do it. I'm let's let's have it happen. Let's go see the games and uh, come back next week and and uh, we'll have semifinals in the SJS. Uh, semifinals everywhere, really, because uh, yeah. So it'll be semifinal week. That'll be sweet. Actually, we'll have a final next week, won't we? Of the NCS Open Division Final or whatever the hell you want to call yep. it. Yep. <laughs> okay. Well, all right. It's a weird world. Until next week, fans. We'll see you next Wednesday. Peace out, y'all. Let's roll, boys. <laughs> <laughs>